Good? All right. We are putting a, a bow on a series we've been in for the last month called What Are You Doing? Uh, and really, you know, I only have 15 minutes because we're gonna do a panel discussion like we've been doing for the month. And so when you only have 15 minutes, why not summarize uh, three series, not just a, a series, but three series. I'm gonna go for it. Uh, over the last quarter, we've been in three different sets of series. One was Running on Empty, one was The Lifestyle of Jesus, and then this series, What Are You Doing? All of these series, though, have been around this idea of spiritual health, growth, and vitality. What we've been exploring is what does a healthy life look like surrendered to Jesus? Uh, here's something that we've been talking through as a, as a teaching team and working through. We've been trying to figure out this idea of what is the effort, what is the work that a believer is supposed to do to have a healthy spiritual life? And we are, we're a grace community. It's on our, our mission statement. We believe that life transformation comes not by the work that you're doing, but by the gospel of grace and experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit. So disclaimer right up front, disclaimer right up front is what I wanna say is your salvation your unmerited favor, your right standing with God, it comes by faith alone. That is it. When you put your faith in Jesus and his finished work of the cross, you receive a free gift of grace. It is by the blood of Jesus, not the sweat of your brow, that you are saved. But what we've been investigating is not what happens after our death here on earth. We die and we have salvation and we have eternal life in God, complete communion with God because that's what Jesus accomplished. What we've been investigating is this life in the here and now. And Jesus had this extraordinary claim in this invitation. Jesus said this, and we've been looking at this throughout these set of series that we've been in from September up until now. Jesus gave this invitation in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. He said this, Hey, when it comes to your life, are you weary? Are you exhausted? Are you burdened? Are the bills piling up? Is, li is life getting difficult? Hey, if, if, if you're overwhelmed by the life that you're living today, come to me is what Jesus said, and I will give you a rest, not just from circumstances, but more importantly, I'll give you a rest in the soul. I don't know about you, but there's been moments where I've had really good circumstances out here, but knots in my chest on the inside. And it's, it, I need both. It's not just that I need a reprieve from the circumstances of my life, but if it's turmoil in here, that's just as bad in many ways. And Jesus goes, I can even deal with that. Let me teach you how to build a life. And, and again, in this set of series that we've been in, we looked at John 10, 10. Jesus said, the thief, the enemy, the devil, this world, it'll suck the life out of you. It comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, hey, I've come not just to be the lamb for salvation, not just so that you would have unmerited favor with God. I have come so that in this here, right now, you may have life and life to the full. And so what we've been investigating over this, this quarter, this last quarter, is we're getting ready to prepare to turn, turn the corner and look into December with generosity and the goodness of God. And as we normally reflect on the, on the things that he's accomplished this year and looking ahead to the next year, before we put a, a, a bow on this chapter, what we wanna look at is going, okay, once again, just to remind you, what does it take to have a rich, full life? And I believe that this full life, it does require your effort. It does require work. I, I feel like the, the, the air just gets sucked out of the room. When you're in a grace community and you say a word like effort, it goes, oh, don't put that legalism on me. Don't put that, just breathe. You'll see some paper bags under your seat. We'll just, just. <laughs> effort, effort is not a bad word. 
Work is not, but just because you say effort, it doesn't mean you're putting people under legalism. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that you're offering a dead and dry religion. Well, no, 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 you're not, you're not earning your salvation, but you are building a life with Jesus. And building anything that is beautiful and intentional and filled with health and vibrancy, life to the full, it will require effort. I love how Dallas Willard said it, his quote, he, he said this, grace, it is not opposed to effort. Grace is opposed to earning. Grace is not opposed to effort. Grace is opposed to earning. Earning is some sort of attitude, but effort is about action. This series, What Are You Doing?, is about what are the efforts, not that you are earning your favor with God, but you're saying in light of, I mean, I love the story that Greg highlighted in worship, that people sold themselves into slavery because Jesus is worthy of it. And this is the life that he's calling us to that we are building a life together, that grace is not opposed to our work and our effort, but rather it's this idea that we're gonna fight against about earning. And so we've been talking as a teaching team, what is the work that we're called to do? That's why we called a series, hey, what are you doing? How do we follow Jesus? Not just what we believe about being a disciple of Jesus, but how do you follow him? Here's, here's a, just a, a, the, as I talked about the dangers uh, of, um, our, of our efforts and the work that we do, uh, here's what I just wanna lay before us, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse three to 11. Peter, who's a disciple of Jesus, if there was somebody who could be a champion of grace, the poster boy for grace, it would have been Peter because Peter needed Jesus' grace on a continual basis. Peter steps out on the water. He begins to sing. Jesus says, hey, it's all right. Here's some grace. Look at me. Stay focused on me. Peter denies Jesus uh, three times. He, he, he rejects Jesus, abandons him. I don't know who this man is. And Jesus reinstates him and shows him grace. Peter knows grace. And at the same time, he says, hey, I followed Jesus. I was an apprentice of Jesus. I watched as he moved and operated. I watched as he built a life of ministry and I watched and, and, and examined and then he invited me and not just to watch anymore but to do things. He would call the disciples over, Peter being among them and saying, hey, this is what the kingdom of God is like. Now go and do this. And so Peter goes, let me talk to you about a godly life. And let's just read um, 1 Peter starting in, or sorry, 2 Peter chapter one, Starting in verse three, it says this, meaning Jesus, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. What is Peter gonna be talking about for this, this paragraph? What does it take to build a godly life? And he says this, through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness, but he doesn't just talk about knowledge, listen to verse four. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises, for this, so that through them you may participate. There is something that we are also doing in this journey with Jesus, in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. Listen to this in verse five, it's so important. For this very reason, make every effort. For this very reason, make every effort. For what? For a godly life, make every effort work to build a life. And then he says this, it's interesting, to add to your faith, not adding to the cross. Your good works do not make God love you more. Your bad works do not make God turn away. Your evil works are not more powerful than the finished good work of the cross. You need to hear that. When you sin, when the behavior is off, God does not turn away because your evil works are not that powerful. Don't give yourself that credit. Jesus is more powerful 
His good and final work on the cross overcomes. And at the same time, whether you've fallen short and you've, you, your behavior is not reflecting this new nature, you don't do a bunch of good works to like fix it because nothing will be added to the cross. Your good works do not strengthen the cross and your evil works do not weaken the cross. But then he says, but, but so that's the faith. But then at the same time, let's make every effort in our life to build something profound and beautiful, to step into this invitation that Jesus has for us to build a great life in the here and now. So he talks about what does it take, what, what, what are we building? Goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, almost like building blocks, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and in mutual affection, love. And then he says something that's profound. This is Peter, who embraced the grace of God, and at the same time, he goes, there is a work that believers, apprentices of Jesus do, for if you possess these qualities, in increasing measure, that we are in a practice. Jesus is not after your perfection and getting it right perfectly. He is saying, continue to put these things into practice. Practice self-control, practice uh, perseverance, practice his goodness and godliness and mutual affections for one another in increasing measure for this reason, that, you will, uh, that, that they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. A knowledge of what it means to be a disciple is not enough. We, sometimes I think we can get too cerebral here and we don't feel it in our guts. It's not just that we know what it is to be a disciple, but that we do the work of a disciple. Because to just know the knowledge of Christ is to be ineffective and unproductive, and Jesus is calling us to a great commission. Not an okay commission, but a great one. He's not just calling us to have salvation. He's saying, in light of your salvation, now let's get after it. Let's do the work that we are called to. Pick up your cross and follow me. Let's see life transformation in the world around us. If we wanna continue to see testimonies and breakthrough like the awakening and all the other ministries where people are giving their lives over to Jesus, it requires us to give uh, intentional effort and work. If we're talking about your salvation, faith alone. If we're talking about the work of what it means to be an apprentice of Jesus, there's an effort to be made, amen? Verse nine, but whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. It's this idea of saying, you've been cleansed from your sins. How nearsighted and blind it would be that you just go, I'm good, I'm in heaven, I've got communion with God, who cares about the rest of you, as long as I'm good. The world is broken and dying around us and it needs sons and daughters to be revealed as the scriptures say. Our life is worth far more than just giving our life over and being saved, but that we might be a part of the reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 5, 19, that you are reconcilers with God, imitators, ambassadors like Christ himself. We are called to rescue and say, this is an intentional work. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, once again, he repeats, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If I could sum up all of that into a statement for us to understand what we've been talking about for the last quarter, that I, I'm hoping as we put a bow on this chapter of this conversation for now around spiritual growth and, and development and, and health, you do not find a great, healthy, vibrant spiritual life. You build it. I said this a couple weeks in the panel, the discussion, nothing in this life 
Nothing in this life that is beautiful and good and healthy and amazing and robust comes by uh, an accident. Just, oh, I stumbled across it. You do not find a great marriage. You build it. You don't, you don't just, this is, it's like, well, they got good kids. You don't find great kids. You disciple and you build them. People go, well, if I had that kid, I, my parenting job would be a lot easier. How many parents have thought that? Just a dirty secret. Be like, well, if I had so-and-so, it wouldn't be so hard all the time. They didn't, that is intentional building. You don't find a great career or a great education. You build one. You don't stumble in your purpose. You build it. If you want the full life that Jesus is offering to you, it requires your intentionality. Amen? Remember the quote that we had in our, in our series as we were talking about um, uh, the lifestyle of Jesus. It was Pete Scazzaro who said it. He said this when it comes to your spiritual life, nurturing a growing spirituality with depth in our present day and culture will require thoughtful, conscious, intentional planning for your spiritual life. If you want this vibrant life, this invitation, Jesus saying, hey, are you weary? Are you heavy laden? Are you exhausted by the way in which your life has come to be? Let me show you how to build. Build with me. Walk with me. Let me teach you the unforced rhythms of grace. Quit trying to do this on your own. It requires you to have an intentional plan. You might be here today and you might say, Tyler, you do not know my life, though. That's very true, I don't. You might say, Tyler, my past was horrific and traumatic and it has created significant consequences and circumstances in my present life that might very well be the case. You might say, Tyler, my life is in complete ruins. This is the good news of the gospel, that Jesus is not requiring a clean cut life to be presented so that he might be able to work with it. When we sing about the altar, when we sing about giving our lives, it's not, hey, clean up your life so it's worthy to present before God. It's, Jesus is saying, I know it's in ruins. I know your past has created trauma. What I am saying, hey, would you like to bring that to me, warts and all, and build with me. Let me be the architect of your life. Let's take the ruins and the rubbles of your past, and I promise you we can build something magnificent and amazing. The question is not, do you have a shot at having a great life? The question is, is will you give yourself over to the intentional practice each and every day saying, Jesus, would you build once again my life? Would you help me once again? And so I just, as we're, as we're gonna wrap up this piece and we'll go into uh, the panel, just a few things that I wanna highlight for us uh, as we go. N number one, so three things that I wanna highlight from the series that we've been in. So running on empty. If I could summarize five sermons from running on empty about how do we stop living burnout and exhausted and start fully living, the call for us was a call to create margin in our life. I hope that you've done this. If you've not, don't wait till Monday, don't wait till tomorrow. With your spouse or if you're, if you're single by yourself, look at your calendar today. What are you going to eliminate off your calendar that should not be there? In order to have a healthy spiritual life, you need to clear all the obstacles that are preventing you. A healthy spiritual life, in order to obtain it, is not complex. It really is not. But it does require a level of intentionality. People, people that don't have a healthy spiritual life, it's not because their life is so complex and they don't have enough resources, it's because they refuse to look at their calendar and go, you know what, this is sucking the life out of me. It's not leading me to the full life that Jesus is talking about, but I, I feel obligated to do it, and so they just keep it on their calendar. I love what Dallas Willard said, if you remember from that series, he said, hurry 
is the great enemy of your spiritual life. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry. Jesus is not sharing your life with anybody else. He will not invite other architects into the planning sessions. If you want to keep up with culture and keep up with the world and keep out of a hurried and consuming pace, and I think it's well worth us highlighting today because we're getting ready to go into December where consumerism runs rampant, where heavy consumption runs rampant, you will not be able to keep up this life and also have the full life that Jesus is offering. If you want to gain this life, there are some things you must lose. Create margin. But then we went into our second series of a lifestyle of Jesus and we recognized the fact it's not enough just to create margin. If you create margin in your calendar, you have empty space. The question now is, what do we fill that space with? It's not enough just to create margin, but we also must prioritize. It was a call to prioritizing what matters most. Remember the, the quote from John Mark Comer uh, in his, in his uh, Practicing the Way podcast, if you want the life that Jesus is talking about, John 10, 10, you want the life that Jesus modeled, you must adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. That's the key. If I want this life, it will require intentional planning and for me to begin to adopt this lifestyle. And so when we talk about prioritizing, again, I don't know your life, I don't know your calendar. Here are three things though that I would argue are really helpful, practicing the way, put them up, and it's kind of their, their journey map of how they um, direct people towards spiritual growth and vibrancy. They would say, hey, here's three things that we see from the apprentices of Jesus. Number one, the first thing that an apprentice does is they are called to be with Jesus. They are called to be like Jesus and they are called to do what Jesus did. These are the three things here. Be with Jesus, we talked about this, abiding with him, intimacy with him, the very first step that you should be making towards spiritual health and growth. If you're saying, Tyler, where do I start building? Be with Jesus. When you have margin in your calendar, go that, that time, I'm gonna go sit with the Lord. I'm gonna go be with my, my rabbi, my teacher. The next step though is to reflect and go, okay, how did Jesus live his life? What did he model? What did Jesus value? What were the things that, was I read the gospels, this is important to Jesus. We need to look at that. And then finally, do what Jesus did, which brings us to what are you doing? If I could summarize this series, this series is about a call to action. That's what we're here today. At some point, an effort must be given. If you want a healthy spiritual life, if you wanna commit yourself to growing, it requires deed and effort. I love how James says it in James chapter two, verse five. It says this, sorry, James chapter two, verse 14 and 17. It says, what, um, what good is it, my dear brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such a faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food, if one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, hashtag thoughts and prayers, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is that? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. My hope for us in this series, and as I'm getting ready to invite Tom and Greg to, to close out this series and we talk more about this journey map, which is designed to help us intentionally walk out this faith, to participate, but my call to us is that we would, we would begin to turn the way we think about church. If you spend 20 years of your life attending Northlands, you will be in the same spot that you are in in your spiritual development and growth. Participation and showing up is not enough because you don't find, you don't stumble into, you don't just continue like, hey, I'm just gonna come and listen and fill myself with knowledge and if all I do is fill myself with knowledge but I don't ever practice my faith, you're never gonna find a great spiritual life. 
But if you commit yourself to building with Jesus, I promise you, you will see radical transformation, not just in your life, but in the world around you. Christ does not just call us to be transformed. He calls us to be transforming forces of good in the world around us. This is what we are called to do. Your life is to be filled with purpose. And we here at Northlands created the journey map to equip the saints for works of ministry. Not to come and listen to ministry, but to equip the saints for works of ministry. And I don't know two better guys who have helped in the equipping of the saints than Tom and Greg. I'm gonna invite them up so we can have a quick panel with them. All of us work together, and now we're up on stage at the same time. Has this ever happened in the history of our I've been dying to ask you this as I've worked with you since uh, 2019 full-time. What in the world are you guys doing? <laughs> I'm just kidding. No. Uh, Greg is my father-in-law, and he's the lead pastor here, and Tom is a counterpart to me. We're both pastoring uh, with Greg here at Northlands, and I, I love the fact that I get to moderate this panel. There's two, uh, two areas of the journey map that we're gonna highlight um, today. We're talking about salvation land and we're talking about the, the land for foundations here at Northlands. And I'm gonna ask Tom to speak into salvation and Greg to speak into foundations. And uh, we'll start with Tom. Biggest thing is what we've been doing over the last several weeks is an, an overview. Give us the why behind salvation land. Why does it matter so much? Tom actually was a big part of uh, the architecture for this specific land with a number of people on his team. Speak to us, Tom, about why this this uh, land is so important. Yeah, thanks, Todd. You know, um, salvation is one of those things that, uh, I, I mean, it's an obvious one of why we have it up there, but it's one of the things that we as believers get to do here that we don't get to do in heaven, which mm. is to lead other people to Jesus. And so when we put together the, the salvation life and look through what are the key components that we could bring and, and what could we do, we wanted to make sure that it, it not only was for the believer, uh, but also for a person that has never given their life to Jesus before, that they could find more information about it and also be led. And so the thought behind it was that we would have areas for uh, uh, someone who just received Christ, but then also somebody who just led someone to the Lord to be able to take them through along with, I don't know about you, but a lot of times we've talked about testimony and, and you hear a story of people coming to Christ and you're reminded of your own journey. You're, you're reminded of your own adventure, and I know that in putting this together and in reading through a lot of the stuff we pulled together, it restoked in me a fire to tell the people that are in my sphere about Jesus, and it reminded me of truths that um, are important and also to share, and so it kind of gives you that, that aspect to be able to look into it, and we wanted to create a place where not only if you just gave your life to Christ, you could go, but also if you wanted to stoke that fire within you to, to reach out to the people around you that you could find it uh, in salvation land. It broke up into five areas. So there was faith in Jesus, just about believing in Jesus as Lord and Savior. There's first steps, which would just take people through. Um, hey, these are the 
most important things that you should do when you give your life to Christ. There's water baptism, which is important to do as a believer, uh, being baptized with the Holy Spirit and the power, and then also testify to learn to bring a testimony. And because I'm talking about salvation, I just couldn't resist to do this. But I looked, and so far this year, we've seen 183 people give their life to Christ. Happy stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I love that. So, like, if, if you've explored the journey map at all, what we try and do our best is to create a living archive of resources so you're continually seeing new and new uh, content and resources up there. So we're, we're saying, hey, it's never, you're never going to finish the journey map. We're always adding to it. So there's plenty in salvation land. So yeah. di don't boil the ocean. What are, what are a few resources that you would say, hey, check these out first as you're walking through it that have been a uh, favorite for you? Yeah, I think a, a couple that I wanted to highlight this morning, I would say uh, the first one is the first steps devotion. And the reason we put this together, it's actually a two week devotion. It's got a booklet that goes with it. There's 10 minute, like five to 10 minute teaching real quick on specific topics. Um, and, and there's a book that you go through and it's got questions to answer and it even has a prayer at the end of it for the person to pray. And mind you, this is set up for a person who just gave their life to Jesus. That's why it's under first steps. And how, what do I do? But we also designed it for you to be able to take somebody that either you met or maybe you led to the Lord and you go, gosh, what do, what do I do to help them get connected? This is a resource that's available. They can download the devotional and then they can listen um, to um, the, the, um, the devotional pieces, like I said, five to 10 minutes. And it really, I think, hits some key areas that help people. Um, some of the topics in there are forgiveness of sin, the gift of righteousness, the fact that they're chosen, um, how to read the Bible, how to take notes. Um, you are loved, you have direct access, you can ask for wisdom, uh, you are redeemed, and a bunch of others. But it's one of the things that I love because it's very practical and simple and it gets people in the rhythm of spending time every day listening to the Lord, thinking through that, and then writing down some of the answers. So journaling and other things become a part of that. But it's one that, to me, has really jumped out. It is extremely helpful, both for the person who just came to Christ, but also for every one of us um, to be able to walk with someone through that if they just came to know Jesus. That's awesome. So that, that would be the first one. And then the second one, uh, is a series that Greg put together uh, called, it's called the In Series. Um, and this is in the, um, uh, oh, what was that one called? So sorry, Faith in Jesus category. And what I loved about it is it just gives a very clear perspective. One of the quotes that Greg had in it was, a supernatural revolution happened to us when we believed in Jesus. And so it just talks about what it means to be in Christ. What, what does that look like? What are the benefits of it? What are, the, what are the truths that come out of it? He talks about who we are as a person in Christ and then also our position in Christ. Um, being baptized into Jesus, washed, sanctified, justified. It's, you know, there's times when Greg's preaching on this topic and he goes, I'm about to do a happy dance. This is one of those happy <laughs> dance series. Uh, it'll definitely make you excited for what's happening, but... Then he takes it from being in Christ, who we are in Christ, and then who are we in his kingdom, and talks about purpose and other things. But you know, when I was looking over, again, there's a ton of great resources in this area, but those two really stood out to me as um, if you haven't had a chance, in Christ is great for the new believer, but also for us to be reminded of who we are in Christ. I don't know about you guys, but I gotta be reminded uh, of who I am in Jesus and the, the 
totality of what that means. Um, so it's both for the new believer and for the believer for however many years it's been. That's good. I, I, in just a minute, we'll, we'll talk about foundation land. I just want to point out, if you're, if you're brand new to this Jesus thing and following Jesus or fairly new to church, I just want to just to highlight for you, because I, I, I actually just came back from North Carolina and was attending a church uh, that my friend leads, and I'm a pastor. I've been to church before. I can't tell you how out of place I felt, though, going, where do you want me to go, and where do we... If you're brand new to this thing... Couple things I wanna highlight. The QR code that's on your chair here, it should be, um, if you're not in the front row, it should be on the back side of the chair in front of you. If you use that QR code, if you're saying, what should I do? I just gave my life to Jesus or I'm thinking about giving my life to Jesus, that first steps. Use the QR code, you'll see the What Are You Doing series, you click on that. And I would definitely start by listening to that in, in the, the journal uh, exercise that they have. That's a great first step for you to come. Uh, but we just wanna make it as clear as possible because I know what it feels like to step into a culture that you're not familiar with and to go, I'm just trying to figure out how to do this. And so that would for us is a baby step as possible. Definitely check that out um, for sure. Use that QR code. Um, so I just wanna jump in there. I just wanna say that I think the, um, the need for people who just got born again to have somebody walk with them through the basics is, is, I can't be overstated. So um, there are some of you who've led people to the Lord. I would just encourage you to go and get the first, just get that, that series and just familiarize yourself with it. And let's, let's walk some people through into maturity. The scripture Tara read this morning, 2 Peter 1 says, um, if we're not careful, we forget that we've been forgiven from our sins. The enemy will steal away the seed that's been planted in the heart. And so we just have to be careful and walk some people through this Again. and just bring them into a more a stable place. So, very yeah. good. Yeah, amen. So this, for me, if we're looking at the entire journey map, we've, we've talked about this in our, in our team meetings and stuff. Foundation land is like a must. If you go through our membership class, we're going, hey, you, you, you can't go anywhere else until you come here. Why is it so important, though? You, you, you really helped build it with the team there. So. Yeah. Foundations is, is so exceptionally important for me because I think uh, I was traveling around the world. Uh, I was in, uh, it doesn't matter what nation. So I was in a place speaking to 450 pastors and was preaching the gospel. And the one bishop said, I, I, I said, do you believe this? He goes, yeah, but I can't preach that. I, and, I, and I was astounded. I go, why can't you preach that? Because if I preach that, I'll lose my authority in the church and, and the people will stop tithing. And I, I realized people resist the gospel for various reasons. And then uh, there was a lot of pushback from a lot of pastors around the world because they're going, yeah, but what about the, this verse that says this? And I would go, yeah, yeah, but right now we're not talking about that. We're talking about the gospel and how to get people saved and just build a foundation. And you're talking about the third floor restroom and the fourth floor bedroom. And I just, I'm just talking about foundations. Mm. So if we, you could just come with me, let's just talk foundations. Let's just lay a proper foundation. And Paul said, be very careful what you build on the foundation. You can lay no other foundation except what's been established in Jesus. And um, this, this call is usually the, the hunger of an apostolic heart Paul said, I laid foundations among you. And so for me, it's been an exceptional desire to lay foundations for people so that they understand who Jesus is, what the gospel really is, who the new you is. Because when you get born again, there's brand new realities because everything has become new, the scripture says. So I wanted to t talk to people about that and then just introduce introduction to the Holy Spirit. So it, it was very important for me. While I was developing this, my office used to be back there and the foundations began to crumble of this building and there was cracks appearing in my office. And I thought it was just, you know, it was a call to lose weight, but it, it was just this real, <laughs> it was just a real, um, and we, we called some people out and the guy said, yeah, there's a problem with the foundation. 
this foundation wasn't properly set, and so you're seeing problems in the building now. Um, and so the, the reality is that we have to lay a foundation in believers' lives. If we get the foundation right, you can build on top of that. But if you don't get the foundation right, problems will show up in the rest of your Christian walk. So for me, this has been mm, important. The resource, I mean, again, there's a lot of resources there. Definitely check out as many resources as you can into these different spaces, but, but you had time to reflect on what, what the top ones were, where to begin at least to start. Yeah, I mean, I, I, this, uh, I know it sounds weird, but I, I, I developed a three-part series on, um, on the foundations of grace, and uh, it's three 10-session uh, video series. One is called Knowing Jesus, and it's really about who Jesus is. Um, Paul said you, the, uh, Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone of the foundation. Yeah, everything about the kingdom is built on Jesus. And so getting to know who Jesus is, uh, and we talk about he is creator and redeemer and Lord and the atoning sacrifice and the high priest and the bridegroom and the, the head of the church. And so we, we, we come to get to know Jesus in certain ways, which is exceptionally helpful, I think, and, and it helps uh, push back against some legalism because when you see the uniqueness and the profound beauty of who Jesus is that frees you up from having to try and compete with him. And then the second series is the power of the cross, which is really identifying what Jesus accomplished for us on the cross. And it's talking about how he, he washed us completely clean in, in, in various ways. And then uh, talks about he removed God's wrath from us and he bought us back from every form of slavery we'd sold ourselves into. And he declared us legally innocent and he set us aside for sacred use. And he brought us closer to God and he completely transformed us and made us brand new. Uh, it really just understands the seven things that the blood of Jesus purchased for us at the cross. And I think Paul, when he's fighting with the Galatians, says, I, I cannot understand how you guys are going back to legalism because when I came to you, I clearly showed you Jesus in his crucifixion. And so clearly in Paul's mind that if you have an understanding of what Jesus accomplished for you in the power of the cross, uh, it'll, it'll transform you. And then the third one is the true gospel, which is really the teachings about righteousness. Uh, Paul, when he spoke to the church, he said, there's some milk that you absolutely have to give babies. And, and my, my granddaughter, when she was born, I was so excited to, to introduce her to the magic of chocolate and steak. <laughs> and my, uh, I wasn't allowed near her for a while because I was like. It was generous helpings. Generous helping to um, Because home. she's just not ready to have chocolate and steak. Uh, she doesn't have teeth yet. So there's a moment, <laughs> there's a moment here where we want to give baby believers uh, things that are not helpful to them. Uh, Paul said to the Corinthians, you're babies, you're mere infants in Christ. I cannot address you as spiritual. So he said, so I came to you, I resolved to know only two things. Because you're babies, you need milk. I resolve to only know Jesus Christ and Him crucified. The person of Jesus and what He accomplished on the cross. He said, that's all I want to talk to you about. He says, I do have a message of maturity for the grown-ups, but you're not grown-up, so you need milk, not solid food, and so that's what you need. Who is Jesus? What He accomplished on the cross. In the book of Hebrews, he goes, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again that somebody teach you the elementary truths of God's Word. You need milk, not solid food. And anyone who's still an infant living on milk is not yet acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. So we established this course, Jesus Christ, what he accomplished on the cross and the teachings about righteousness as the milk of the word. I think what they'll do is they'll set something in your heart as a solid foundation. And, I, and it's amazing to me because I, I, I typically do this with a lot of 
pastoral groups around the world. It's amazing to me how pastors don't have a good foundation laid. And so it's astounding to me how necessary this is, and I, and I would just encourage you. And then the, the second one is, is a book by Bill Johnson, God is Good. And I just really appreciate pretty much everything that Bill says, but that Bill's book, God is Good, is a massive invitation to come and experience the goodness of God. Um, Peter you, um, said, like newborn babies, talking about milk, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you can grow up in your salvation, comma, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Mm. So if there's another piece in this foundation that must be laid, he said drink milk so that you can grow up now that you've tasted the God's goodness. Yeah. Built right into there in the very foundations of our faith should be an understanding of the goodness of God. And so I'd recommend this book. Uh, I think it's just brilliant. He, he talks about how you... Uh, you may not be able to understand uh, the goodness of God, but you can experience it even while you don't understand it. Because that's what the Scripture says. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Yeah. So I'd recommend that book too. And it's good. I mean, this is just the, the spoiler alert is like the month of December for us, our series is going to be around the goodness of God. It's such an important thing for us to go after. So I would encourage you, again, as we're talking about foundations, please join us for for next month's series as we talk about God's goodness and his generosity towards us and humanity. Can we just we cl close with just a thought? I'll, you guys can jump back and forth in it because this is a conversation we actually have often. When it came to the journey map, we, we wanted to intentionally make it not about some sort of destination, but exploration. In other words, going, if you're here and you've been with Northlands for 20 years, you don't get to a point to go, I've done the journey map, what's the next thing we do? The journey map is designed for us to continually circle around it, continually take a, a, a survey of our spiritual life and go, okay, where do I need to grow this year? We intentionally looked at salvation and foundations, though, to say this isn't just like a, hey, once you, once you give your life to Jesus and once you've laid the foundations, you never have to come back here. Can we just talk, just to lay it and stress the point, you kind of already highlighted it, but like this is something not just for the new believers, but again, for us as a people to continually come back to. Can you just maybe some of the whys that's so important? Yeah, I think at Northlands, you know, we build churches that transform lives by experiencing grace and the Holy Spirit. And so uh, seeing other people experience life transformation, like, like a lot of us did, is, is, a, is a big deal. It's very important. And I think, you know, as I mentioned before, I think, you know, sometimes you can look at the title of something as salvation, okay, I've been there, I've done that, or I got baptized, or I this. But I think if I would highlight anything else, kind of like what I said, I think there is a reminding that takes place. Um, you know, sometimes one of the best things that I do is get to sit down with somebody who just gave their life to the Lord and begin to talk about how good God is or how faithful Jesus is or to do a study with them. And in the process of leading someone, you're reminded. And so, you know, it, it's one of those areas that for salvation, there's a lot of great stuff in there that's not just for the new believer, but for every single one of us. And I would encourage us, if, if you're in a time where you're like, gosh, I'm looking for something new to study, go through and look and see what reaches out and grab grabs you. If you have a coworker or maybe a neighbor and you find yourself asking the question, wow, I wish I had an opportunity to talk with them, check out some of the stuff um, in there because it, it, it has the ability to work with the Holy Spirit to prompt some things in you of conversations, how to start, what to talk about, and even answer questions that people may, may bring before you. Anything to add to that? Yeah. No, I think just for me, um, Little stories that we came, started the church. Um, uh, every other church we we had run was growing by at least 300 people a year. So this is the slowest growing church we've been part of. 
And uh, we had, I don't know, I can't tell you how many prophets came through in the first 12 years of the church's life and said, uh, the Lord says, don't worry about the size. I'm taking time to build good foundations. And I hated that word. Because <laughs> I was like, I don't want to hear another word about foundations. And in, in the last three, four, five years, the amount of prophets who've come in and said, wow, these are good foundations, which is a kind of a weird thing for people to say about a church. Um, but I've had four prophets tell me that. Wow, God's building rich foundations here. I'll go, no, no, no. But um, I, I, was, I was really, got, I was a little nodded about that. I went to the Lord and he said, you thought I was talking about this single church. But I was saying, I want you to take time to build foundations into churches and nations and generations. And uh, so I was like, wow. And then, and then we had Michael Maiden come here. And in our personal, he was just, he gave me a personal word. He goes, the Lord says, churches and nations and generations. I was like, yeah, I've heard that before. And then those three foundational series, we, I was asked to put them into manuals and we put them in and they've been included in a, in a theological training. And now 185,000 pastors in Africa are doing those three foundation series. And we've given those video series to about 5,000 churches. And um, all over the world, people are starting to use the foundation series that God is doing here. And I say that to say, I feel like there's something that the Lord has got uh, uniquely on this church to bring out to the world. And it's part of a foundation that I think needs to be laid in our lives. So I would just encourage you, the, the, there is never going to be a time in my life where I grow in maturity beyond the need to lead people to Jesus with a simple gospel message and to disciple them. I'm, we never graduate beyond those. You never get too spiritual for that. It's yours and mine to be able to walk past somebody who's struggling and suffering and to break darkness off them and to invite them into the kingdom of God. And we never graduate beyond that. So I love this. We're never going to get beyond this. As Ty said, this is where we live now. Awesome. Will you uh, help me thank these pastors here? Thank you for all the work you guys have done. Thanks, guys.